Open them up. Open them up to Hebrews 11, verse 6, I want to start off with tonight. Hallelujah. God is up to something good, amen? Because he is a good God. I don't, I don't know if you knew that or not. He's a good God and he's up to good things. There's a bad devil and he's up to bad things. That's deep theology there, I know. But uh, some in the body of Christ has, has, not, has not grasped that yet, all right? But Hebrews 11.6 says these words, But without faith it is impossible to please him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Notice that he is, not the I was, but he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now quickly go to Romans ten seventeen. Romans chapter ten seventeen. And that verse says these very important words. It says, so then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now tonight, I'm going to be talking about the covenant of healing. I believe that I'm going to show you evidence from the word of God, along with Cindy tonight. We are going to show you evidence from the word of God that will change your life. It will skyrocket your spiritual life. From where you are right now. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to illuminate truths to you. From the Bible that will untangle every lie. That the enemy has tried, has planted in your mind. About the topic of divine healing. Now the word covenant means a will. A testament. A pact. Or a contract. Or, breaking it down even more, an agreed upon plan to which both parties subscribe. See, when you made Jesus Lord of your life, you entered into a contract with God Almighty through the blood of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And the first thing that must be established when it comes to healing is this. This is the biggie right here. Is healing, divine healing, is it really available in the new covenant through the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is it just wishful thinking on the parts of the crazy Pentecostals and Charismatics? I mean, really, is this really a Bible thing? Or is it just wishful thinking? Are we wasting our time here? Are we wasting our time when we stand in faith for healing? Now, many Christians believe... That whatever happens to them must be the will of God. They kind of go through life in neutral. How many even know what I'm talking about? They go in life in neutral and like, well, whatever comes my way, you know what? It's just the will of God. It's my lot in life and I just got to deal with it. Right? That is so wrong. That's why so many Christians are getting their tails kicked today on this earth. Scott was talking a little bit about our authority through Christ. And we have authority. All right? But, so people think, well, if it's not the will of God, it just won't happen in my life. So they get a disease or whatever, and they think, that must be God's will. Hey, this must be the thorn in the flesh for me, right? After all, Paul had a thorn in the flesh, right? And God said, my grace is sufficient. Well, let me untangle a lie from the enemy there. Paul did not have a sickness or a disease. The thorn in the flesh that was happening, it was a demon spirit following him, causing persecution. And the reason God said, my grace is sufficient. Paul said, Lord, deliver me from this. The reason he said, my grace is sufficient. You want to know why? Because we as Christians were never promised to be delivered from persecution. See, if it was a sickness or disease, that wouldn't even be in line with the word. That would contradict everything that's in the word of God. And we wouldn't be able to stand in faith for healing then. Are you hearing me, somebody? Let, now, you got to get that one. We were never promised. Jesus said, on this earth, you will have tribulation, right? You will have persecution. How many of you found that out yet? And if you haven't, you haven't been living the Christian life, okay? Let, let me just tell you that right now. <clears throat> but if everything that happens is the will of God on this earth, then you need to stay congruent with your thinking, 
Keep that straight line with that thinking. And then you have to say this. Well, rape, murder, incest, and all that kind of stuff must be the will of God then. Some of you are saying, Pastor James, I would never say that. Well, that's basically what you're saying. Because I guarantee you right now, somewhere on this planet, there's someone getting raped. There's someone getting molested. There's someone being murdered. Now, who's bold enough to stand up and say, that's the will of God, Pastor James? I didn't think so. See, it doesn't even make sense. It's not even common sense to say that, is it? But many times that's what Christians are doing. And they don't even know that's what they're saying. But we need to get rid of the stinking thinking. Amen? Amen. Everything that happens is not the will of God. It is the result of wrong choices. It is the result of disobedience. It is a a result of the rebellion against God. It's a result, as I'll talk about later, is a lack of knowledge in what God's word says. And a failure to stand on it. A failure to appropriate the promises that are in the word of God. So is it really the will of God that people walk in health? And receive divine healing. And indeed, if indeed healing is available through the new covenant, how do we receive it? And what is our responsibility in the matter? Now, to lay a proper foundation on this, I I see new faces all over the place here. To lay a proper foundation on this subject of healing and deliverance. How many know deliverance from evil spirits the Bible calls healing? Did you know that? It's called healing. Uh, By the way, deliverance is not for the unbeliever. You're going to try to cast demons out of an unbeliever and they're going to reject Christ? That's what's going to happen. Hey, the door is open for seven more worse than that one to come on in. Are you hearing me, somebody? Deliverance from evil spirits is referred to as healing in the Bible. Now, that's a real touchy subject in the body of Christ, isn't it? That's why we got a whole bunch of demonized people running around, okay? Because people aren't dealing with it in the body of Christ. But to lay a proper foundation on this subject, it is a must that we determine the entry point of sickness, disease, and infirmity. When did this stuff enter the picture? Did God create it like this? See, if we determine this entry point of all this bad stuff, That will give us a proper foundation on which to view this topic from God's perspective on it. We need God's perspective on every situation, don't we? And then we must determine if if the Bible refers to these things, sickness, disease, bondage. Does it refer to those things as a blessing or a curse? All right. After all, If these things are a blessing from God, as some think in the body of Christ, we should just receive it and not do anything about it. Are you hearing me, somebody? If it's a blessing, we ought not to go to the doctors to try to get rid of a blessing from God. Are you hearing me? Even common sense tells us. Even common sense tells us that this is wacky to say these things are from God. Wacky to say they're a blessing from God. Are you hearing me, somebody? So, if it's a blessing, we ought not to go to the doctors. We, ought, we, just, we might as well receive the blessing of God. We ought not fight the will of God then. Because if we're fighting against the will of God, you know what the Bible says when we're fighting the will of God? That's called sin. So, if, if it's a blessing from God, if, if it's from God, you're going to the doctors then, is sin. You're going to get help for deliverance, is sin. Now, isn't that pretty stupid? What a, what a wacky point of view. You can see how Satan has twisted this. He has just twisted it so good that people ate this crap. Are you hearing me, somebody? They feed on this. They feed. That's really what it is. Uh, some of you who your first time here, you don't know me, but I'm bold. I'll just tell it like it is, all right? <clears throat> but... However, if these things are a curse, we need to hate it with a passion. And it's either one or the other. It's either a blessing or it's a curse. So then, what is the origin of sickness, disease, and infirmity? Go to Genesis 1. Go way to Genesis, which is the book of beginnings. 
Genesis chapter 1, and I want to look at verse 31 to start off with. I'm telling you, there's a reason why some of you had a problem getting here tonight. Because truths are going to come forth that are just going to untangle these perverted lies from Satan. Amen. Hallelujah. Genesis 1.31, listen to this. It says, Then God saw that everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Jump with me to uh, 2 verse 7. Genesis 2 7 real quick. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of what? Life. And man became a living being. Everything that God made in the beginning was good. And God breathed life into man. Let me ask you this. Does sickness produce life or death? Death. The goal of sickness, disease, infirmities, even bondages, emotional bondages that that drive people to suicide. Their goal is to take you out of this life. You realize that? It produces pain. And its ultimate goal is death. Did you know if Adam didn't sin, I said Adam. Eve didn't get her name until after the fall, okay? And it was Adam, the one that God said, Adam, don't eat of that. The fall didn't happen when Eve ate. It happened when Adam ate because God told Adam, and Adam directly disobeyed God. Are you hearing me, somebody? When Adam Adam disobeyed God, the curse came into the earth. But did you know, before that, this planet that we're on right now, was, was to be paradise. We were to live forever on this planet. Are you, do you realize that, don't you? It was to be perfect. Then the fall happened. The fall of man. They rebelled against God. Look at John 10.10. 10. Let me just read something to you here. The entry point was the fall. Listen to what Jesus said about the enemy here. He said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the fall happens. The curse comes. Man is lost. Man needs a savior. What does God do? He sends his son, Jesus Christ. The son of God. He did not have an earthly father. If he had an earthly father, that means he would have original sin. He would have been a sinner. He would not be able, that would exclude him from being the redeemer. He had an earthly mother, Mary, but the Holy Spirit. He was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. God was Jesus' father. Are you hearing me? So he was totally perfect. He was righteous. But what an incredible statement from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He made it so black and white here. Anything that steals, anything that kills, and destroys is from the enemy, Satan. A fruit of the curse on this earth. Jesus said that he, Jesus, has come to give life and to give it more abundantly through the new covenant. Let me give you some wisdom. If you have a sickness or a disease, a bondage in your body, let's just say cancer or anything else, don't put the word my in front of it. My cancer. My whatever it is. Listen, let me ask you this question. If a thief broke into your house, you wouldn't call him my thief, would you? Are you hearing me, somebody? The thief, the enemy, only comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Jesus said he came to give life abundantly. Abundantly means a superabundance, excessive 
overflowing surplus, over and above, more than enough, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. This is what you can have through Jesus Christ. So everything that comes into our life, we need to run through the filter of the word of God. And we need to determine, if this thing doesn't have the fruit of an abundant life, it's not from God. Because the Bible says that every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, comes from above. Are you hearing me? Uh, Because I'll tell you right now, God's original intent is still his intent today. And the only difference from the beginning of time, from before the fall until now, to get back to that place of God's original intent is through Jesus Christ. He is the doorway back to the blessing, back to fellowship with God. Are you hearing me? Back to, come on, eternal life. By the way, eternal life doesn't start when you die from this earth. You do realize that. Eternal life starts the moment you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And death from this earth is simply stepping into eternity. Are you into another realm? Amen? Hallelujah. But listen to this. Even, let me give you some more evidence. Even the way our body functions in a natural sense points to the fact that God despises anything that would bring harm to his creation. Our bodies naturally fight off sickness and disease. Our bodies in the natural are bent toward healing. Think about that. A cold hits your body. Immediately your immune system's kicking in. You cut yourself. Immediately that thing is starting to heal. Immediately. And that is in us from our creator. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, that's not the devil trying to heal you. Amen? guarantee you that the fact like i said sickness and disease and infirmity entered this earth when adam ate the forbidden fruit and these things that that came through the curse through that rebellion from god these things were never in god's original plan and they are still not a part of god's plan today god created the heart to function properly God created eyes to see. God created ears to hear. Are you hearing me, somebody? God is a God of life. God is a God of blessing. And sickness, disease, and infirmity promote the opposite of the nature of God. Death is the result of the absence of life. Are you hearing me, somebody? The curse is a result of an absent of the blessing. Did you know that, uh, well, God created the curse, right? No, he didn't create the curse. It's the absent of the blessing. Just like darkness. You show me, you show me in Genesis in creation where God created darkness. And on the third day, God created darkness. Does it say that? No, it doesn't. Why? Because darkness was not created, it's an absence of what? Light. Are you hearing me, somebody? And when man rebelled against God, God's a holy God, he's a just God, and he had to remove his hand. And guess what came in its place? The curse. There was a tsunami of this junk, of this pain that entered this earth. That was not intended from the beginning of time. So being that because of the rebellion from God, sin, you could say, sin is the gateway that allowed sickness, disease, and bondage to come in. Are you hearing me? Say that with me. Say sin was the gate that allowed sickness, disease, And bondage to enter this earth. So to say then, people who say sickness is from God, it's just a blessing from God. You're glorifying God. To say that the fruit of sin is the will of God, you are really saying then that sin must be the will of God. For these things that entered the earth, sickness, disease, and bondage are the fruit of sin. Now nobody in their right mind is going to say that God is pleased with sin. 
No one in their right mind, or maybe some real ignorant person is going to say it. Are you hearing me? Okay. Are you following what I'm saying? Sin was the gateway that allowed these things in. And that's why I said if we pinpoint the entry point, that'll rock your world. And you will never view sickness, disease, and bondage the same way you did when you were in dead religion. Are you hearing me, somebody? So God hates the fruit of sin. God hates sin. We know that. The Bible says that. God hates sin. Well, if that's the case, then he hates the fruit of sin, which is the curse. Sickness, disease, bondage, infirmity, pain. God and Satan are not friends. They are not partners. Are you hearing me, somebody? Contrary to what some cults teach, Jesus and Satan are not brothers. Are you hearing me, somebody? That's demonic. It's a doctrine of demons. The Bible does not teach that. God and Satan are not friends. They are not partners together. They do not work hand in hand. They are enemies. Again, let me give you a deep revelation here. God is good and the devil is bad. It's that simple. And that will help you to determine the source of what is coming against you in life. Can it be that simple, Pastor James? Yes, it can be that simple. It is. The gospel is simple. The Bible says there's simplicity in the gospel. Does it not? The gospel is simple. So then you, you could say this. Sickness, disease, and infirmities bring as much glory to God as sin does. Zero. None. If, you th- if you're thinking that you're bringing glory to God and you're, j- you're being humble by, by holding on to this sickness or disease, this bondage, this stronghold in your life, you're deceived. You're deceived. It brings absolutely no glory to God. However, many accounts in, of healing in the Bible throughout says that the healing brought glory to God. Even the account in John 11 about Lazarus, Jesus said this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So many people bring that up to me. They say, but Pastor James... What about what Jesus said in John 11 about Lazarus? What do you do with that one? After, he, after all, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. You know what the answer is? Let's just stop and think about this, people. The glory of God was not in the sickness. It was not in the death. It was in the raising up of Lazarus. It was in the healing of his body. Jesus was so burdened over the death of Lazarus, he wept. He wept. Are you hearing me? So can you see how Satan twists these scriptures? This sickness, but for the glory of God. So they just pin it on. See, sickness brings glory to God. No, it doesn't. The glory was in the healing, in the the raising from the dead. Hallelujah. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit can open up your eyes to scripture. Amen? Hallelujah. Paul's thorn in the flesh. I talked about that briefly, but it was not a sickness and disease. That's a whole other, other message. We could get really deep into that. But what you need to know is it was not a sickness or a disease. Because listen, God's word does not contradict itself. God's word always confirms itself. Are you hearing me? God's word always confirms itself. And that's why the Bible says we are to rightfully divide the word of truth. If you're a little off on one, guess what's going to happen? You're going to look at John 11, that verse, and say, hmm, boy, is that what it's saying, that sickness brings glory to God? Are you hearing me, somebody? But what you got to do, so you might have that weird thought at first. You read it. Then you read other scriptures that Jesus took stripes on our back for our healing. Oh, okay. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 24. uh, By his stripes we were healed. You see what I'm saying? Rightfully divide. Rightfully divide the word of God. The word of truth. And I always tell people this, 
If you read a scripture that seems, you read two scriptures and it seems there's, man, this is contradicting itself. It doesn't make sense to me. The problem is never with the word of God. The problem is our understanding about what we're reading. And that's where we got to say, Holy Ghost, show me. Holy Ghost, reveal this to me. Because listen, if you, are, if you call yourself a Christian and you don't believe this, that the Bible is the inspired word of God, if you don't believe it's infallible, if you don't believe that you can stand on it for your very life, guess what? You're not a Christian. You're still a child of the devil. That is such a basic doctrine. So basic. Because the, the word of God is what we base our faith on. If you can't believe anything else, how are you going to believe that? You know, some people can't believe for a, for a headache. Yet they believe that when they take their last breath on this earth, they're going to walk in, in, into heaven. You see what I'm saying? But why don't you just believe the whole word of God? Amen? Believe all of it. Believe all of it. But before the fall, Adam walked with God. Everything was perfect until the fall. There was no need for divine healing before the fall because everything was perfect. See, it is the will of God that you walk in health. Or it's, it's, it's the will of God that sickness and disease doesn't even touch you. Did you know that? That's really the will of God, the big picture. It's the will of God. It doesn't even come your way. But the beautiful thing is that healing is a provision if it does attack your life. And that's good to know, isn't it? Hallelujah. Third John 2. Go there with me. Hallelujah. Third John 2. Powerful scripture. Very popular. It says, Beloved, I, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. This is the will of God for every Christian, this is the will of God for every person, that they come to Christ and they prosper and be in health, even as their soul prospers. And the only thing that will prosper your soul, your mind, will, and emotions is the word of God. And I got to tell you something else. There's some things that maybe you're dealing with in your body because your soul hasn't been prospering, because you've been holding on to emotional baggage. And I'll tell you right now, emotional baggage can do some weird stuff to your physical body. How many of you know that? Even secular medical science tells us that stress or whatever can release harmful chemicals in your body. However, the opposite is true. When you have well-being emotionally, good chemicals are released in your body. I don't know all the names of them, but go do the study in yourself. It's there. Even the secular doctors are seeing this. <laughs> and, and it's interesting. Even secular doctors believe in generational curses. You ever been to the doctor? <laughs> Fill out 20 pages of the history of your, your parents, your grandparents, all the way back to George Washington. Are you hearing me? Why? They want to see what they dealt with. Hello, somebody. Generational curses. Things do get followed down the line and when they need to be broken in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. Proverbs 4.22 says that the word of God is health to all of our flesh. Notice, it didn't say that the word of God is health just to our spirit, man. What does it say there? Our flesh. Again, God is making provision for our physical well-being on this earth. And the Hebrew word, this is interesting, the Hebrew word that's translated health in that scripture literally means this in the Hebrew, medicine. The word for they, the word of God who find them and medicine, medicine, the word of God is medicine to all their flesh. And my question is this, have you been taking your medicine lately? See, we're real good if we have, if we have medication in the natural. Boy, we're good, don't we? We put them even in the, you know, some people have those things, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yo, boy, they, they line them all up, boy. Boy, they're real diligent there, but they never 
hear the word of God until Sunday morning. All week, no word, no medicine. Are you hearing me? Don't walk and live in condemnation if that's you that I'm talking to you right now. Because if you've got breath in your lungs, you can start brand new right now. You can start right now. Amen? God's a good God. The word of God refers to sickness, disease, and infirmity as a curse. If you go through on your own time, look at Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, God was telling the children of Israel, he said, disobedience, if you disobey me, these things are going to come upon you. Why? Because God has to lift his hand when there's sin. There's that three-letter word there that a lot of people don't like to hear, but it's just, we serve a holy God. Amen? And we got to be diligent about these things. God says, be holy for I am holy. Amen? So if the Bible refers to sickness, disease, and infirmities as a curse, then the opposite of that, health and wholeness, then, must be a blessing. Amen? Proverbs 26.2 in the King James Version says this, As the bird by wandering and the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. If you are experiencing the fruit of the curse, there is a reason for it. It won't come causeless. There's a reason why you're experiencing this thing. There's no in-between. And part of the definition of of the word covenant that I talked about earlier is an agreed-upon plan to which both parties subscribe. You following me? We have a part to play in this covenant. It's not just a one-way deal. According to John 15, we are commanded, Jesus said, to abide or remain in him. That word abide means to continue with. Remain in him. And the fact is, if we step out of those boundaries, we're on the devil's territory. Amen? So stay off the devil's real estate. Get back into that secret place of the Most High God. What is the secret place in Christ? That secret place is in Christ. That secret place is living holy before God. That secret place is, is being diligent and finding out what's acceptable to God, what's unacceptable to God. Because there are some things that are, that are not acceptable to God for Christians. I put on my Facebook this week, I said, Pastor James thinks that many Christians um, forgot that 2 Corinthians 6.17 is, is in the New Testament. And it says, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and I will receive you. God's talking to Christians there. He's talking to his people. Come out from among them. Everything is not acceptable to God. Amen? All right. Now, I'm kind of doing a little dance in here. Stick with me, all right? We're doing a little tango here tonight on the devil's head. Amen? Because he's under our feet. Amen. Now, Jesus Christ was sent to reverse the curse of sin in the life of those that receive him as Lord of their life. And he gives us his righteousness. Look, go to Galatians 3. Quickly, Galatians 3. You come here tonight to learn about healing, you're going to learn about healing, all right? Galatians three thirteen through 14 says this. This is the New Testament now. It says, Christ has redeemed us, bought us back, pulled us out from the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. List a whole bunch of bad things, including sickness, disease, and bondage. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Who hung on a tree? Jesus did because he became our curse so we could be blessed. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. That's us in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit or of the Holy Spirit through faith. The blessing of Abraham, one of the things the Lord has been pressing upon my heart in the prayer time. I walk back and forth in this altar all around this sanctuary. And I say, Lord, I want... To experience the fullness of the blessing of Abraham through Christ. I don't want just a little bit. I'm going to fight for this. How many of you know it is a fight of faith? Oh, it's just not automatic. 
It's a fight of faith. And I said, been saying, Lord, show me how to possess this land. I want the fullness of the blessing of Abraham. So the great exchange is that Jesus took the curse, our sin, upon himself so that we can live in the blessing on this earth. And after this life, live in the presence of God for eternity and eternity and eternity. See, there was no law before the fall. There was no curse before the fall. And the Holy Spirit now, as Christians, the Holy Spirit is constantly trying to lead us into the blessings of the new covenant and to reveal any hindrance to walking in it. But the question is this, that we all have to ask ourselves. Have we been listening to the Holy Spirit? Have we been sensitive to Him? Have we been hearing His voice? Has He been trying to deal with you on some things in your life that He's saying, you've got to let this thing go. This thing is giving Satan a foothold. This thing is giving this bondage. This thing in your life that you're holding on to that you don't want to let go of right now, this thing is a legal right for this sickness and disease to remain in your body. We need, to be, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit, but take it a step further, and we must be obedient to Him. Amen? Because he, He's got our back. He's looking out for us. He wants to bless us. Amen? God desires for His people to know the things that have been freely given to us by God through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Are you getting anything out of this? All right, 2 Peter, good. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4. Those of you watching online, be sure to type in your prayer request in the chat room, and uh, we'll be praying with you at the end of service, okay? 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4. Now I'm going to take it to 2 through 4. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How's grace and peace multiplied to us? That's right. Through the knowledge. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Let me ask you this. How do we get that knowledge? The Word of God. And then when we get into the Word, that's when the Holy Spirit says, Oh, I'm going to jump in this and I'm going to give you revelation and understanding of what you're reading. Verse 3. As His divine power has given to us all things... That pertain to life and godliness through the not there it is underline it through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust. What's the corruption that it's talking about everything that came in through the curse. Which includes what? Sickness, disease, bondage. Notice it says here uh, that through these, through the precious promises, you, underline it, may be partakers. That word may is very important. It's amazing what one word can do in a, in a verse. That means it's not automatic. That you may be partakers if you fight for it. And what's the fight? It's the fight of faith. Are you hearing me, somebody? We are able as Christians, the Bible says in that scripture, to be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. Now, New Agers have, take, take, have taken this and says, oh, well, then we're gods. Are you hearing me? That's evil. That's a doctrine of demons. No, no, no. We don't go there. God is above us. Are you hearing me, somebody? He's above us. But God says in his own word that we can be partakers of this divine nature, that we don't have to put up with the things that the unbeliever puts up with. Because we've been redeemed, the Bible says, from the curse of the law. Now, legally speaking, it's been done. Experientially, now that's a different story. Are you hearing me, somebody? Someone says, well, uh, you know, I'm a Christian. I, I love the Lord and... You know, I got this, this issue in my body and all this, and it's like, um, listen, pal, you're going to a church that doesn't believe in the divine healing message. You're going to a church that doesn't believe in the fullness of the Spirit of God. Hello, somebody. They don't know about it. 
you're, there's a lack of knowledge. You're quenching the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing me, somebody? So, you know, you got to look at all the dynamics that are going on in a person's life, okay? That's why you can never base your faith on experience. Never. You can never, well, Aunt Bessie loved the Lord with all her heart. And she died of cancer. It must have been God's will. He must have just took her. He needed her in heaven. No, uh, Aunt Bessie went to a church that don't believe in this stuff. They don't believe on the laying out of hands. They don't take God for what he really says. Sure, she probably loved Jesus. She believes that he died on the cross, rose again. Praise God for that. Guess what? Aunt Bessie's probably in the presence of God, and that's great. But you know what? On this earth, she could have been living a higher standard. She could have been a partaker of the divine nature. Are you hearing me, somebody? Now, let's quickly talk about the word salvation. When most Christians hear the word salvation, they simply think of going to heaven in the future sometime when they're old, right? And whatever the world and the devil throws at them, they're just got to put up with, and that's just their lot in life. But that's not scriptural. That's not the Bible. That's dead and ignorant religion teaching that. The word salvation has been referred to by some scholars as the all-inclusive word. What do I mean by that? The Hebrew word, the Greek word that's been translated salvation. You want to know what the definition is? Listen to this. Salvation is defined as deliverance, healing, wholeness, preservation, soundness, prosperity, happiness, to be rescued, general well-being. Friend, that goes well beyond eternity. That starts right now. That I said, I said, we're, listen, we're not going to need those things in heaven. There's no sickness and disease in heaven. You're not going to need healing. You're not going to need deliverance in heaven. Where do we need it? Right here, right now on this earth. And that's salvation. And you need to stand up and fight the good fight of faith. And don't let the devil cheat you out of this. Are you hearing me, somebody? The fact is this. There is not one area of your life or my life that the word salvation does not cover. It is an umbrella that covers us fully. And it's, that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. In believing what he said. Believing what the word says. Hallelujah. Part of the definition of the word covenant, like I said, I want to hammer this one more time, is an agreed upon plan to which both parties subscribe. This means that you have a, if you do your part, God will do his part. If you don't do your part, God's not obligated to do his part. Are you following me, somebody? The problem or hindrance to your healing is not God. The problem never lies with God. God has done everything he's ever going to do about healing. Jesus is not going to come down to earth and climb back on a cross. Are you hearing me, somebody? It's done. Jesus himself said, it's finished. It is finished. He's done everything he's going to do. And the benefits of the new covenant are not automatic in the life of a Christian. You must receive and apply them in your life through faith. Jesus has provided the provision and we must apply it in our lives. By faith. Now, true, there are some times that there's going to be, a, there, from the time you believe until you see the manifestation, there might be a waiting period there. Oh, oh my, 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 there's a sermon right there. What are you going to do in the waiting room? What are you going to do in the waiting room of life? What are you going to, that's why the Bible always couples faith and patience. Faith and patience. They're twins. Because faith carries you from the point where you start, where you believe what you read until the manifestation. You don't need faith after you get it, right? In this little space of time, this space of time here, you need patience. Patience and faith to carry you through. That's why I love that song from the movie Fireproof. While I'm waiting, I will worship you. While I'm waiting. Are you seeing me? I, are you, I mean, are you hearing me? I know, I hope you see me. If you don't, we're going to pray over you. Amen, in Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. God is good. The waiting room of life. The waiting room of life. What are you going to do? And it's in that waiting period when many people fall away from Christ. It's in that waiting period a person comes to that crossroads and says, God, I'm going to believe you or God, this stuff is a bunch of baloney. I'm out of here. What are you going to choose? Just because there may be a delay, maybe it didn't happen right when you believed, that's not a denial from God because he's done everything he's going to do. It is provided provided for you, but it's a fight of faith. And the devil is just waiting from that time you believed. Like tonight, you gotta, you're getting a revelation of this. But I'll tell you right now, when you leave this building, you're going to have some choices to make because Satan's going to come against your mind. He's going to throw that doubt in there. He's going to throw some of those fiery darts into your mind. And the thing is, what are you going to do with them? It's easy to believe when Pastor James is up here spitting fire at you from here and it's fresh in your minds. But what are you going to do when you leave this building? When you shut that broadcast off? What are you going to do in that waiting period? Now, some things do happen immediately. Guess what those are called? Miracles. That's a miracle. It happens instantly. Praise God. But did you know the word healing implies a process? There's a gentleman who goes to RCC here. He, he was in stage four cancer. The numbers were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty dim and not looking good for him. We've been believing with him. We've pr- been praying over him, standing in faith with him, keeping him encouraged, feeding him the word. He went back just a couple weeks ago, last week or a couple weeks ago for results. And whatever the number is they look for in the blood has been cut in half. It went down from stage four. I'm telling you, what are you going to do in the waiting room of life? Are you going to abandon God or are you going to stand and hold on to the anchor of his word? And that goes with any trial you're going through, whether it's your marriage, whatever it is. It's called the waiting room of life. But we as Christians are to live by faith. The word of God says whatever is not of faith is sin. And without faith, Hebrews says, it's impossible to please God. God takes our faith level very seriously. Some people are always get offended by faith. Oh, there it goes, that faith preacher talking about faith. Well, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I read a scripture that says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know what? I think I'm going to put an emphasis on that for my people. And in my own life. Amen. <laughs> because I don't know about you, but I want to please God. And, and I'm just going to step out of the boat and say, if you don't want to please God, you've got to get saved tonight. Amen. <clears throat> now, Mark chapter 2. I am almost done here. Mark chapter 2. You know what? You can read it if you want, but basically, Jesus said to a man who was lame, Jesus wanted to heal this man, and some people, the Pharisees and stuff, everyone was getting riled up about this. And All right, let's read it. It's always good going through the Word. Amen? It'll just give us a clearer picture. Hallelujah. Mark, Mark 2, quickly, 1 through 12, it'll go fast. And again, he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Ha! Jesus is in the house. That's a great sermon title. I love it. All right. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even at near the door. And he preached the word to them. Oh, I love that. It, oh, the word of God is so powerful. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they, oh, I love that, they broke through. They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, what, what, what was Jesus seeing in their faith? He, he seen some action, that they wanted to get this man in Jesus' presence. They ripped the roof off. Are you hearing me? And Jesus, it says, saw their faith. Your faith should be evident. 
Faith should be evident. Faith should be seen. Faith should be heard. What, what, what's, what's coming out of your mouth? What kind of words are coming out of your mouth? Faith should be heard. Faith should be seen. Are you hearing me? Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting uh, there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is, now get this, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He, Jesus said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed, look at, and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Jesus said something that will just rock your world. In fact, if you have no idea what Jesus said, you just kind of skim over this and it's like, uh, you know. Well, that's weird. Why did Jesus say this? Jesus said, what is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. What was Jesus saying there? He was saying that forgiveness of sins and healing are one in the same. Why? Because both of those things are included in the all-inclusive word salvation. You can't separate it. Forgiveness, healing, wholeness. What did I just read? The whole definition of salvation. It's a package deal. And Jesus, I love it how Jesus just shuts these people up. What's easier to say? Your sins be forgiven you or rise up and walk? One and the same. It's all salvation through me, Jesus was saying. Everywhere Jesus ministered, healing and deliverance followed. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was willing to heal then, he is willing to heal now. Jesus said these words in the gospel, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus revealed the will of his Father in his earthly ministry. Are you hearing me? 1 Peter 2.24. Quickly here. 1 Peter 2.24. And this kind of puts a little bit, another cherry on top with that point I just made here. 1 Peter 2.24 says these words. Who himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. Notice past tense, were. Because the work has been finished. When Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, many Christians say this. Well, that scripture is simply just referring to spiritual healing. The truth is this. It refers to both. Both spiritual and both physical. And I say this the same as Jesus said. What is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or rise and walk. It's all salvation. I'm talking about the new covenant. Through Jesus, which includes divine healing. Hebrews 7.22 calls the new covenant a better covenant. Say better. better. What does better mean? It means better, of course. If healing was a provision in the old covenant, which it was, surely God hasn't gotten rid of this in the, this new and better covenant. See, even if you just put common sense to this. Amen? My last point here and I'm done. Go to James 5. James chapter 5, 14 through 16. It says these words. Is any among you sick? This is written to Christians, by the way. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church... And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Which, who's the, who's the, what's the name of the Lord? Jesus. That's right. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith 
will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or arise and walk. You following me? Verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, I want you to notice out of the scripture passage, a prayer for healing here is referred to as a prayer of faith. Did you catch that? And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. A prayer for healing in James chapter 5 is referred to as a prayer of faith. Now the Bible speaks of different kinds of prayers. And one of them is the prayer of faith. What are you, where are you going with this, Pastor James? This is a huge key to knowing the will of God on the topic of divine healing. Because you can only pray the prayer of faith for something that you know the word of God promises. Have you ever thought about this before? There's the prayer, there's different prayers. There's a prayer of faith, prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of consecration. What's the prayer of consecration? A lot of people try to pray for healing with the prayer of consecration rules. The prayer of consecration is, if it be thy will. You pray the prayer of consecration if you don't know the will of God. You know, I feel led to go down to Ramah, to Bible school, but I don't know if it's God's will for my life. God, if it's your will, Open doors for me to go to Ramah. Only if you want me there. That's the prayer of consecration. Are you hearing me? But the prayer for healing is a prayer of faith, the Bible says. And you can only pray the prayer of faith for something that you know the word of God promises. So, what's the prayer of faith? What else is a prayer of faith? The prayer of faith, you, you prayed the prayer of faith when you got saved. You're saved by grace through faith. You needed to know that it was God's will for you to get saved, right? Someone took you down that Roman road. Someone showed you from the word that you are a sinner. You're in need of the Savior, Jesus Christ, right? You needed to know that you were lost. And so when you found that out, you found out from the word that it's the will of God for you to get saved. And you prayed a prayer. That's a prayer of faith. And the same one is for healing. Because you need to know some things before you pray the prayer of faith. Because if you, if you are praying something for something you don't know is the will of God, that's not a prayer of faith. That's a prayer just you're hoping. Oh, I just hope. But the Bible says that we can have faith for healing. Why? Because faith begins where the will of God is known. You cannot have faith for something that you don't know belongs to you through the word of God. You may hope it does, but hope is not faith. Faith is not hope. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 separates it. Faith, hope, and love. They're different. So James 5 refers to a prayer for healing as a prayer of faith. What does this mean then? Evidently, now take hold of this statement right here. It'll rock your world. Evidently, God believes that he put enough evidence in the Bible for you and I to know his will about healing. <laughs> Isn't that good? God believes. Let me say it again. God believes that he put enough evidence in his word that we're going to pick up on the fact that it's his will for us to be healed. And that, my friend, is why he says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The next time you pray for someone sick, next time you lay hands on them, you can do it with confidence. You can pray the prayer of faith because you know it's the will of God. You're not hoping. You know it is. Hallelujah. The prayer of faith does not have the words, if it be thy will in it, because the prayer of faith knows the will of God. There's no question mark on it. There's an exclamation mark on it. Because if it be thy will means that you don't know the will of God in that situation. Now Hosea 4, 6 says that my people, God says this, he says my people. If you're saved tonight, you're one of God's people. And God gives us this warning. He says my people 
are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowing his word. A lack of knowing the benefits that are contained in the Bible. The promises of God. Because ignorance, a lack of knowledge is not bliss in the kingdom of God. Satan and evil spirits will take advantage of your ignorance. And that's why it's so important to read and feed, study the word of God. Even on a daily basis, take some time out in the morning, evening, lunch hour, whatever it is. And again, let me give you this warning as I'm closing here. That don't ever base your faith on experience. I don't care who has passed away in your family, if they're the best Christian in the world. Are you hearing me, somebody? There's a price to pay when there's a lack of knowledge. And that's the price that, as a pastor, as a Christian, I don't want to see any of you pay. And that's why we have services like this. That's why we put our our sermons and other pastors around the world put their sermons online because we want you to be informed. We want to raise you up for the work of the ministry. Are you hearing me, somebody? Also, if you're taking medication, you keep taking it until a doctor tells you not to. I never tell people to stop taking your medicine. It's foolish. There's some people who are in a grave right now because they weren't operating in faith. They were operating in foolishness and presumption, and they stopped taking their medicine, and they died. Okay? So you always... You wait for a doctor to tell you to stop taking your medication. So, that's it for me. What we're going to do now, we are just going to take a five to ten minute break, stretch, come back.